Snowball Spark. You want good words? Data language. Talk real sports with a real man. Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40. And now, here's the be-all, end-all, know-it-all of high school, college, and pro sports. Aaron Skinny Cow with the Skinny on Sports. We're talking about practice, man. I'm the MVP. Whoa. I felt like my chair kind of went down a little bit. Oh. So if you hear the loud crashing noises, um, what run, not, run around here and listen, mute it. If the, if the chair breaks, <laughs> I won't make the jokes. We are not <laughs> responsible for words that could fly out of my mouth <laughs> if the chair breaks and I hurt myself. Oh, man. I'm afraid they wouldn't be FCC worthy. <laughs> That was scary, Jared. It just kind of went down on you? Yeah. It's losing its... Um, Sean did something in here earlier. I know it. I don't think... Uh, when I got here, I got here before you did. They were in the they front. They were in the front. I so saw I don't think they even stepped foot in here. Listen, you didn't Can't get here very much one. before I did because your lights on your pickup, automatic lights hadn't gone off yet. Right. No, no. Yeah, in. you... I was walking. I saw... Yeah. So but the point is, they were I don't think they came in here, so... Can't blame Sean for the broken chair. Well, we can. He sits in here a bunch. <laughs> Welcome to the Skinny on Sports right here on 98.1 FM, the Sports Animal. Glad to have you along for the next hour. we got all kinds of things to talk about. High school uh, hoops will be on the docket at 930. Big Elk head coach Sam Stevens will come and join us. Talk about the upcoming season for his Elk City Elks. At the end of the show, we can talk about a whole bunch of things. We're going we're gonna to start with scenarios for the weekend as it relates to the college football playoff. Okay, So that's going to be the first segment until Coach Stevens gets here. If we don't get through all of them that we want to talk about, if you guys have some that we had, we don't mention, fire them in, 225-9698 is that text line. And we can just kind of go through it, you know, because tomorrow Scott will be here. They'll, you know, we'll be wanting to talk about who knows what else. Yeah. So let's let's get that. At who knows least. what's on his mind. So, That's right. Yeah. We'll at least get that out of the way as far as talking about it, hashing it. We can rehash it tomorrow because it's a fascinating subject, I think, to what could happen. Uh, with the depending on the results this weekend in the conference championship games, we've also got uh, high school football tonight. Class four A state championship game at UCO is this evening at seven o'clock. Wagner and Blanchard. We can kind of cuss and discuss that a little bit. We got the Dallas Cowboys hosting the Seattle Seahawks. Can the Cowboys beat a team with a winning record? Here's what's crazy: if they beat them. It'll send Seattle to six and six. So does that not count now? <laughs> because they beat because if Dallas wins, uh, Seth Luttrell. I read a big old long article yesterday. It was written on a Georgia Tech fan site like a year ago, two years ago, when they were looking for an offensive coordinator and Luttrell had been fired at UNT, and it detailed. It was in great detail the offensive success that he had had at his multiple stops. And I have a question to ask you and ask the listeners that I think is an intriguing one because okay. it doesn't – to me it doesn't feel like a lot of the the Oklahoma fan base is on board with this hire completely. Because it's not splashy. It's not a big name. It goes to my question okay. that we can have later. Okay. All right, 225. Also – before we get going, uh, something's going on tonight that has been, oh my gosh, six and a half years in the making. 
since that fateful May day in 2017. May 16th, 2017. You know what that was? Yeah, down to the date. No, what? It's when the tornado hit the country club at Elk City. Oh, it hit, hit, hit Elk City and, and by yeah. proxy the, the, the country club. So right. tonight, all the members, the, the membership that is, I mean, I, I know it has to have been a, I mean, I know it was for what the, the position I was in a painstaking thing to go through the patience that everybody showed. Uh, we're going to have a mem- um, the, an open house for the membership to come check out. If you haven't been out there yet, uh, check out the new clubhouse. So that is 5 o'clock to 8 o'clock. It's come and go, uh, but I want to, you know, some people don't have the, the, don't have the book of faces, which is where a lot of the, the stuff right. kind of goes through out there. So uh, the big boss told, gave me the okay, and here we go. So come on out 5 to 8 tonight for the members of Elk City Golf and Country Club. Kind of a members open house. Then uh, starting tomorrow, I think we're going to – it would be pretty well – kind of open for the month of december for people to come check it out cool um from around town go eat and started serving lunch monday so there's food food service going uh so we, we wanted to give the membership a chance to check it out first because they stood by us this entire time sure. uh, as the thing was being built still there still strong and so come on out and let's have a it ought to be a fun celebration type of night out there this evening all right jared Two two five nine six nine eight is the phone or the text line. Let's. I want to hear people's scenarios because I know I can come up with them in my own mind about who's going to be in the playoff after you see the rankings on Tuesday night. Then you can start to kind of guess. No team ever has been seven or worse going into the conference title weekend and jumped into the top four. So that would maybe signal bad news for Texas or Alabama. Ohio State at six. They were the one team that did jump from six to four in the first season of the college football playoff when they jumped over TCU and Baylor back in 2014. Uh, didn't end up winning the national title that year. Okay, so <clears throat> I'm going to start. Okay, here's the thing. OSU fans, don't get mad. Don't get mad at this because I'm in no way saying making some sort of pick on this game. But here's the thing. With these scenarios, we're going to assume Texas wins right. because if Texas doesn't, they're out. It's simple as it that. It doesn't even matter. No two, yeah, so it's not in, happening. in every one of these scenarios, Texas is not going to be brought up, but we're just going to assume they win because if they don't, they're not in the conversation anyway, okay? That makes sense? Simple enough. So we're assuming it's... a Texas win on Saturday for this process. Right. Okay. So number one, which would seem to be the cleanest version of this, the top four all win. That means Georgia, Michigan, Washington, Florida State all win their conference title game. Is it as cut and dried as it appears? Yeah, I mean, if they're if the all four win, they're all the remaining four undefeateds. They're all conference champs. That's as simple as it gets. The, like I said yesterday, the only question is who? Where do you put them? one through four, and the real argument would be who's one and who's two, Georgia or Michigan. Yeah, but that I point, think that's pretty clear. At that it, point, I feel like Washington would definitely be three. Yeah, Florida State would definitely be because four. Because of the injury situation. But I, I hate to use this word, but half you have to put them there because they're undefeated. 
but four would be comfortable because, well, okay, you're the fourth best team because of your quarterback situation. But, hey, congratulations. You went undefeated. You got a conference title. You're in the playoff. Okay. Yeah, so that's, you, that's the easiest scenario. You don't see any chance because in that scenario, the only conversation that would be had would be between the possibility of Texas looking incredible again as they did against Tech. And then obviously it would be them in Florida State. Because of the injury. Right, but I think there would be massive outcry of whatever if you put a one-loss team over an undefeated. There would be people going, then what's the point of playing 13 games, going undefeated, navigating the season? It's hard to go undefeated in a, in a, in one, in a season. Yep. It's hard to do. <clears throat> What's the point of doing it if you're not even going to reward them for a play with the playoff spot? It again, cut and dry. This is the simplest scenario for these guys. You got four undefeateds. It's simple. It's <laughs> a simple. And I get the argument. I get it. So, w- but Texas, it- win it, win, win in Dallas, and and you got a you got a case here. But they can do whatever they want against OSU. If the four right here go undefeated, I'm sorry, Texas. You're probably going to rise to five and be on the outside looking in. Now we're Ohio State. <clears throat> Apparently, is still in the conversation, which I don't know how. I don't know how real that real that is as we go through these. I, I don't. I mean, listen, I'm going through these scenarios. I'm not even considering them. I, I don't really have them in my mind either. E- even though they're ahead of Texas and Bama right now, I really don't have them as a viable option. Even in chaos, even in the chaos scenario, I just don't have them as an option. Because at what point can they be be over Michigan? They right. can't. No. Right? No. Okay. Anyway, wins should matter. Losses should matter. Yeah, that's a head to heads should matter. Okay, so let's go to the first one. I think you're right. And this last scenario is a nightmare. Yeah, I know. I, I think <laughs> <laughs> I know it's it's the best one. I do think you're right as far as what would happen if. The four teams won. All the undefeateds are there still standing on Sunday. I, I think you're right as far as what will happen. I'm not convinced that what that's what should happen. And I'm I'm just and, and I'm the one that's carrying the Florida State flag going, hey, they got an unbelievable defense. Let's not just worry about the quarterback thing, right? Yep. Okay, so the next one. Georgia wins, Florida State wins. Michigan wins, and Oregon wins. Georgia wins, Florida State wins, Michigan wins, and Oregon wins. I have it, and I even put it one through four. I even seeded them. Is that all right? That's fine. Uh, I have it, and I'll go one through four. Of course, this computer is about to go through the window, and I don't care if it's raining today. It just... So you would have bump me off. I'm going to guess it, you would have Georgia, Michigan. Yeah. Okay, there we go. Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, Oregon. So in that scenario, the only I might switch those last two. In that scenario, the the conversation would be. No, I can't switch those last. I, I think undefeated is matter. Go ahead. I'm sorry. The conversation would be between Oregon and between Texas. Uh yeah. Yeah. Oregon in the but but here's the thing is your quality of opponent. Sorry, OSU, but Washington's better. Okay, is a neutral site win against Washington a better win than going to Bama and winning? 
Oh, you had to do that, did you? I mean, you realize yeah, it, I know. if you compare yeah. it, there, there's two teams whose resumes really kind of stand above everyone else's right now, especially in the one-loss one category. And those two teams are Alabama and Texas. Mm-hmm. As far as quality wins, tier, all of a sudden we got quad one wins in football like we've had in basketball <laughs> these years. Yeah. You know, ranked wins. Texas and Bama really kind of stand out above everyone else at this moment. Now, the resumes aren't complete. And I think for all the Texas fans that thought it was funny that Oklahoma lost to Kansas or Oklahoma lost Bedlam, right now they're thinking, damn. Yeah, exactly. Wish that wouldn't have happened. What did I say after the the? I think it was after OSU loss. And all right, let's just tank just to screw Texas. <laughs> I mean, but right now, that's got to be <laughs> that's what what's the, happened is those two losses. So instead, yeah. instead of a one loss top ten team that you would have a chance to avenge your only loss. See, I bet Texas was rooting hard for BYU. Right? They wanted OU again. Yeah, but not a two loss. At the two loss, I mean, the cachet of the name is there, but. It needed to be the one loss, both kind of going, you know, both in the right. playoff hunt yeah. type thing. But to better, I mean, it would have been a better quality opponent. Uh, I can't, do we have to say it all the time? We're not saying OSU is lesser a quality. This year clearly wasn't the case. But two loss OU, three loss OSU. And there's the name, the name of it. The, the, the sticker on the mat side of the helmet matters. It would definitely help them, right, if it was OU there this Saturday? A one loss would. I, I don't oh. know the two loss OU yeah. would the the Bama thing. I mean the the BYU losing last week or beating OSU last. I don't know how much number twelve Oklahoma helps. Yeah, top ten one loss Oklahoma. Which if you look at the way the committee has done this, they've put people in order. Of course, they didn't when OU had one loss. Uh, even though they they had beaten Texas, they kind of had them slotted behind a little bit. But I do think it's. I, I do think that it's something to talk about you know the quarterback thing getting a text from tyler you know do you compare the floor he's comparing florida state's quarterback issues with say alabama's quarterback issues from the start of the year Mm -hmm. well my thing about this is the quarterback that's playing great for Alabama right now just didn't play good against Texas. It's the same guy. It's not like they changed oh, and took off. Good against Texas, where they play South Florida. He didn't even play. He didn't play against South Florida. He he was benched. Yeah. And then came. I think he might have come in and, and started the next game. May have been Saban's way to show, hey, these other two aren't ready. Milrose, the man. And now well, I think it had another. I think there's an. It was a win-win for Saban. Because he sh- he showed Milrow, your job isn't safe just because I named you quarterback QB one on week one. Yeah, you know, just kind of light a fire under me. You still got work to do, son. Yeah, watching those guys play against South Alabama probably told him, you know, what I'm the best one of these. Of <laughs> yeah, this that lot. helps too. But I, I I understand the idea. It's not it's not apples to apples though because one guy literally isn't there. The other guy just played like crap. And and there's the argument for I mean, we'll get to we'll get to Texas Bama we just haven't gotten there you just hang on we're getting down the list so you would have you'd have Oregon over Texas in that scenario I would I would I think that's what would happen but once again I don't think that's what should the history the, the, the quality loss thing is such a joke how about I, it, it's like the only time quality loss is brought up in these conversations by the committee is when they look and think a team is better than another one, but they don't have any wins to justify that thought. So they go, oh, well, it's a heck of a loss. Yeah. 
Because it's obvious that they think Oregon is better than Texas. Mm -hmm. Their eyes tell them Oregon is better than Texas, but they can't point to any specific win that Oregon's got because Texas won at Alabama. Right? I mean, and Texas has beaten ranked teams throughout the season. Oregon hasn't. Right. And so you go, oh, but they got a better loss. Like it's it's like the last thing. It's like some sort of fake trump card that they pull out. The committee does it goes. I mean, when they ask that question about strength of schedule, which Texas is, is way higher than Oregon's, the dude from the committee started saying, oh yeah, but Bo Nix has completed seventy eight percent of his passes. Who cares? That's not <laughs> what we're asking. But to the, I, I think you're. I think that's the way it would go. I think Oregon is clearly slotted in their minds above Texas. I'm also right now. using history when when this this committee picking these four teams they the recent their recency bias there's a lot of recency bias i think so winning a conference title matters and and again texas i know in this scenario would be conference champs too but it's just the recent okay well they're ranked fifth they won a conference title this is the scenario put them in i'm kind of going off of that too okay Okay, next next scenario. scenario georgia wins michigan wins oregon wins but the difference here is louisville beats florida state ah Ah, see, this is where I think it helps Texas. I mean, they have to be the fourth team, right? Exactly. I got Georgia one, Michigan two, Oregon three, Texas four. This is where this is the scenario where you might get some Ohio State talk. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of because they would yeah. be left there as the, you know, Washington. The the thing for poor Washington is let's pretend like they lose a three point game to Oregon Mm -hmm. similar fashion what makes Oregon's win so much better than Washington's outside of just the calendar it happened it happened when it happened right because if you look at if you actually go back and look who Washington's beat now they haven't beat them as badly you know that's the thing about Oregon they've pretty well rolled people but Washington's beaten some better teams than than Oregon has Mm -hmm. Oregon got some breaks with the schedule yeah there would be a three-team discussion for that fourth spot Washington, Ohio State, and Texas. and Texas. But I feel like Texas because Texas has that caveat of host, hoisting a trophy. That's right. And that would that would be the major advantage they would have over both Washington and Ohio State is the fact that they were the conference champs. Correct. All right, let's go down the list. We're going to – that's where it's going to start getting start way some more interesting. Yes. Alabama wins. Michigan wins. Florida State wins, and Washington wins. Okay, I got Michigan one, Washington two, Florida State three, and Alabama just played themselves into the playoff from an eight spot all the way to four. Okay, so they once again, every one of these scenarios, we are assuming Texas wins because if not, they're not in the conversation. Here comes the – So here we go. Here we go. But – SEC, SEC. You this, can't leave an SEC team now, out. Now that here is the here is the scenario where it's possible, a scenario that nobody thought in their right mind the last decade would ever even be a conversation, but here is where this is a possibility, Cheer. and that is with the head to head with Texas beating Alabama. And, and here's another question: so if head to head doesn't matter. Because it's it's a long time ago or whatever. Are you are you let's let's say it's like an overtime thriller, like the national title game was a couple of years ago when Tua hit Devontae Smith to win the game, 
against Georgia in the, in the championship game back in 2017, right? Let's say we have that repeat of that game. Okay. So you're telling me a team that just had a 29-game winning streak snapped in overtime of a conference title game, who was also the back-to-back national champions, just gets tossed by the wayside? So the head. Oh, well. to, so that here's my thing. So the head-to-head with Bama Georgia matters, but the head-to-head with Bama Texas doesn't. It it should matter. It I'm I'm agreeing with you here, but I think it's the SEC component. I mean the wheels. Would, I mean college football would break down if an SEC team is not in the playoff, right? It's all the money. The money would. The money guys, the money bags would freak out. ESPN would freak out if there was not an SEC team. That's all you're going to hear. Like, oh, what? as soon as Bama beat in this scenario, as soon as Bama beats Georgia, you're going to start hearing that. You're going, and they just played themselves into the playoff. They just won again. They put them in the playoff. Now that will be on, and it's going to be pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. That will be on CBS. Remember? Yeah, that's true. It will not be on ESPN yet. The last CBS game in the SEC. Yeah. That is true, too. I think that would be that would be an interesting one. What are you t- what are you telling people if that's the result? You know what you're telling them? Mm. Why in the hell is Texas playing Alabama in the non-conference? Exactly. We had this. We've talked. Why about this. are you doing it? Why are we even quit doing, it? doing it? Yeah. Why are we even doing it? Because that, you know, you know who's you know who started to wiggle that way, kind of under the radar. The, the team that plays absolutely nobody each and every year in the non-conference. Georgia. Not who, even Georgia. Not even Georgia. Who did Georgia play this year? They played Georgia. They always play Georgia Tech, which well, that I can mean, be what it is. That, that is what it Go, is. Take but, a look at Michigan's non-conference. Oh yeah. Yep. They've whittled that sucker down to literally a two-team schedule ohio state hadn't caught on yet they're still playing notre dame and games like that and now with oklahoma and texas going in the sec stayed at eight conference games i promise you ou picks up the phone michigan picks up the phone for that game coming up in what 25 or 26 the series maybe 25 and 26 i think that's right i'm guessing they both say yeah good (laughs) never mind let's move on from that right because it's obvious that number to the right of the dash is all that matters oh, sure. when it comes to picking teams mm-hmm. for the college football playoff. Now, now you say that now, but what about it's, it's going to be huge in the 12-team playoff, right? Because you I, don't need it. What do you mean? You don't need that non-conference game in the 12-team playoff scenario. Doesn't feel like it. You don't need it. Well, it doesn't feel like you get rewarded for it in four. No. If yeah. that scenario so works why would, out. Why would you even need it in the 12-team? That's right. All right, we're going to put this on hold. Coach Sam Stevens is here. We'll talk Big Elk basketball. He snuck in. He kind of scared me. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Pleased to be joined now by the head coach of the Big Elk basketball team. It's head coach Sam Stevens. Sam, how are you today? Good. How are you guys? Uh, We're doing well. Before we get going there, I I asked Cam this yesterday, and I'm sure you have thoughts uh, as well. What did you think of the offense coordinator hired at OU? Uh, I liked it. You know, keeping it in-house. I've heard, you know, I'm a Twitter guy. I'm on Twitter all the time looking at OU stuff. And a lot of people that like OU football like me, they thought it was a pretty good hire. So I was like, well, you know, Venables, I trust Venables. See what see what happens with it. See, my thing is this, and we're that's kind of on the sheet for maybe later. 
but I'll ask it right now. If this guy came from outside the program, would the hire be, be would, would this hire be like viewed to a different level than maybe it is right now just because he was depends on who it would be. I mean, if it's Seth. Oh. If, if it's Seth coming from outside oh, of the okay. program. Yeah. Do you think people go, oh, man, that's a better hire? I, I yeah. think bringing him back. He's oh, OU guy bringing him back. Something uh-huh. like that. Yeah. Yes. And and it's not just an in-house hire because a lot of times those aren't flashy anyway. Well, that's what a lot of people, I, like I said, I'm on Twitter. They, they wanted to go out and get a big name and bring him in and so everyone can kind of you know, boast and puff our chest, say, "Oh, we went and got so and so." So, getting it in house, I think the, I think it'll be good. Yeah, back in my twenties, I would have wanted that—the flashy hire, yeah. you know. But now I'm like, this is safe. I'm comfortable with it. I like I like being comfortable, and the the content, you know, they're familiar with whatever offense is ran. It keeps the recruits happy. It keeps Jackson Arnold on board. Yeah, I'm happy with it. When I saw that, I was like, I'm all for for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so Big Elk basketball coming up uh, on uh, tomorrow. Obviously a tough one to start out with the defending state runner-up in Weatherford. But let's talk about your team so far. Uh, what have you seen out of your guys? You know, the off-season guys have been there since the start of the year. And then, of course, what you start 15th of October when you can actually start practicing. First of October. For, first of October. Yeah. So you had those guys in there for about a month. Then all of a sudden the football guys show up a couple of weeks earlier than what we've been accustomed accustomed to the last couple of years. So what have you seen out of your guys here as they uh, get ready to go with the basketball season? Well, in our off season this year, and this is not a bad thing, uh, all my majority of my main players play football. So I really didn't have an off season. I had two or three guys in there, and they were good. They were listening and working. Um, but the bulk of my team plays football, which is awesome. Um, so when they all came, uh, we've had – what six seven ten practices something like that like you said we're not used to that we've we've been taking it slow just get a ball in our hands get our feet going a little bit uh and they've been really good I've been really surprised with their attitude and their effort so we've been off to a good start you know a lot of the guys that we're going to see uh played pretty key roles at times last year um and you know everybody getting a year older uh, you know, to me, you know, Cole has been kind of the returner that has had the most kind of on his shoulder so far. But who are some other guys that, that have played some? We've seen them, but now are going to be expected to fill a larger roles with the guys that aren't uh, that moved on after last year. Alex Cup would be one. Um, he would he would earned himself some uh, varsity minutes since he was a sophomore. He would be plugged in there. So and he had some good games for us in the last two years. Uh, but now he's stepped into a starter role as a senior guard. Um, and we've had some talk. I've had talks with him about, like you said, now you got more. I mean, you're out there the whole time. Uh, you're, we're going to be looking to you to score the ball more. Uh, so you're going to have to bear some of that weight. And I think he, he accepts that and he's ready for it. Blake Red has a, another player. He's a senior. He's play, uh, he started last year for us. He played a lot of basketball. Um, he steps back into his same role. Uh, we just want to get some more offensive production out of him. And then the rest of our guys, you know, were sophomores last year. Colin Church, Logan Webb, um, DJ Jackson is another one. He got some minutes last year. But those guys are all a year older. They're juniors. They're either in the starting lineup now with that responsibility or they'll be coming right off the bench and playing heavy minutes for us. You mentioned a lot of guys, and I know we just touched on it, guys that were playing football and now, now you got them in the gym. They won a lot of games in football. Does that Do you see that as a as – a, 
as it transfers over, like these guys don't know how to lose. They they lo- love to win. Do they bring that winning attitude to you? I always said that. Yes, winning breeds winning. So when you win in a sport and then you go to your next sport, you should have that. Come on, we're you know we're winners. Let's go compete at a high level. Let's do things right. We and expect to win. So I I, I believe that. Yes, the conference that we, you know, kind of put together the last, you know, what, three years ago, I guess it was. I mean, our, our schedule was already hard before that. Then you start adding some different teams in there. How hard does that make it, especially as the calendar rolls into July or January, where you're playing, then you got a tournament, then you're playing, you're playing, and there's just not as much practice time as maybe you need to correct some of those things with the, with the almost impossible schedule that we play. Right. It's, it's definitely a challenge. Um, and I think with having an older team this year, a lot of juniors and then a couple of those seniors, uh, when we go to in that time period, you know, play a game, we see this, hey, we need to fix this, I think they will understand that. When we go to practice, hey, we've been messing up on X, Y, Z, the next few days we're going to work on that. I think that uh, our guys will understand that and really hone in and, and understand what we're trying to achieve in those practices. Now, what we can't have is, you know, try to fix X, Y, Z and lose something else over here with ABC and, and lose focus on that. We just got to keep building and try to put it all together throughout the process of the season. Right out of the gate, got a tough one on Friday or tomorrow night against Weatherford. But you know, we mentioned off air, there's a ton of games in a short amount of time. Do you like that? Yes and no. Sometimes, depending on your teams, like I think this year's team, um, it'll be good for us because we need to play. Because, like I said, a lot of those guys did not play varsity last year, so now, uh, now they're stepping up in the starter roles and coming off the bench for us. So. It's good to get that many games under our belt before Christmas so they have that experience. Instead of, you know, being in practice and practicing them and saying, hey, you're going to be doing this, you're going to be doing this. We'll just throw them in the fire and say, you're doing this now. I will coach you and get you comfortable. Yeah, and I always think about, you know, small schools start first. And we, we always talk <laughs> about the tournament that's gone now, but that five-county tournament. I always kind of felt like there was three different segments of the year. There was like that early get to the five county and see what you've done. Then there's Christmas to get better, and then out of Christmas, and then of course the playoffs. So for you guys, with the, with those eight games before the Christmas break, it seems like that even could be advantageous for what you can do during Christmas to see a bunch of actual play on the you know in games, and then start to correct those things when you do have the time in those couple weeks off during Christmas. Absolutely, uh, that's exactly how Coach Keys and I approach it. We always tell our guys, you know, before Christmas, that's our preseason. And then after, then we have the season and then we have playoffs. So we break mm-hmm. it down into three segments. And, and having eight games before Christmas break is going to be really good for us, I think. Get a lot of those guys on the court playing high level, playing a lot of minutes. And then we get our time over Christmas break watching film, seeing what we need to improve on and what we can fix. So I think it'll be good for us. Go ahead. ahead. For those who don't know, what kind of offense do you run? Defense do you run if if they're not familiar with the program? And will that change any with uh, personnel that you got coming in this year? We – I've always liked to run and gun, but we're kind of – we're a bigger team this year. We got some big, strong, athletic guys. So we're going to look to not run as much, kind of slow it down. 
Um, we got a couple good shooters with Bowie and Cup, run them off screens and stuff. We, I like to run motion against man and zone. I'm a motion guy. Um, but we still run good sets. And defensively, I'm I'm hard-headed. I'm man-to-man. I'm going to – we're gonna, you know, we're gonna show up and we're gonna guard you. Eventually, every now and then, we we switch the zone if if our man's getting beat pretty good or something. We kind of change the flow of the game, but I'll, I I want to guard you man to man. Something that's different this year, <clears throat> and I, I can't wait to see what uh, we forgot to ask Ham this. I had it in my brain and it slipped out, so we'll ask you the the foul counts and the way this yeah. works yep. as opposed to the years past just without even playing a game yet with it what are your thoughts on on how that could affect you know how you how you kind of substitute people here and there or how yes. you kind of play because it, for those that don't know instead of just being a, a half and you get seven fouls and shoot three one and ones and then once you get to 10 it's double bonus for the whole half it's by the quarter so you get five fouls each quarter once you get to the fifth foul, it's two shots for the opponent on every common foul. Doesn't matter if they're shooting or not. How, how, how do you anticipate that kind of changing the way the game flows? Well, right off the bat, when we work on our man defense, or since we've got our guys, we've talked about that rule change. So we're we have fouled a lot in the past, and we've talked about the rule change, and we're uh, we're we're kind of focusing on that and just letting them know, like when we get to five fouls. They're going to shoot two free throws automatically. We don't no more one on one, so we kind of put a focus on that on our defense. Um, but as far as the flow of the game and how to manage the game, I you know I haven't coached a game yet. We'll see how it goes. Mm-hmm. It will be different, knowing you know when they get to five and they shoot two that one on one. You know you that can change a game. A one on one can you miss the front end or you miss make one miss one. You know score and how the way the game goes. So. It's going to be interesting. It's, I'm going to have to adjust coaching as well. I, we keep looking for that answer. Like, what is this? What coaching changes will happen because of this new rule? And, and I've done six games so far in small school, and, and I think I might. I keep thinking it's on the defensive side. It's how you coach defensively. But I did a game where one team within 90 seconds of the tip were already in four fouls, and so the other team suddenly became ultra aggressive, got fouled, and got to the free throw. Th- line a lot i mean is that an approach offensively maybe you'd look up it's like oh they got four fouls we got nine we can be really aggressive right here and get that fifth foul yes absolutely um we want to be aggressive to the to the rim offensively anyways but yeah that that's definitely comes into play you look up there and see the foul count and you're thinking hey let's go at them let's go get them in foul trouble we'll go shoot free throws as a player as an old player do you like it because you mentioned the the one and one that was a strategy that could be used to come back yes. at the end of games yes. because the pressure is so much mm-hmm. on the opponent to make you, everybody knows you got to make that first one to even get the second one. And how many times did you see? Oh, it, ha- it happens a lot. A lot of times yes. where it missed the front end of two of the three one and ones. The other team goes down, scores, bam! All of a sudden, you know, five point game is tied. I know. I, that's the part that I I don't mind the way that they did. You know, if you want to do it by the quarter. I just kind of wish it was one and one instead of two instead of the automatic double bonus. I wish they left. I wish they would have left the one and one still in there just for that aspect. Um, but the the two shot foul that's that's gonna be that's gonna be weird. That's gonna be different. <laughs> yeah, just not even see a one and one. It's gonna be. Know, it's, yeah. it's gonna yeah, be pretty it's wild yeah. to me. 
Uh, talk about some, you know, some young guys. I've seen a bunch of them play some JV that will now get into some varsity minutes, especially here early on. Talk about a couple of those guys that maybe uh, we haven't seen under the bright lights on a Tuesday or a Friday that, that we will see this year, especially in the beginning of the season. Well, uh, well, one of them is Colin Church. Um, big, strong, athletic kid, can shoot, can drive, can post. We're, we're going to use him in different areas, on the block, on the wing. Um, he can guard posts. He can guard uh, guards. So I'm excited about him and what he brings to our team. A couple other guys uh, that are sophomores now, Jeremiah Jackson, could bring some good things to our team. Evan Putnam is quick good quick guard and and Tucker Garza you know he didn't get a play last year because of his knee injury and he's been out and he's explosive (laughs) he is strong and he's explosive and he can he can change a game with rebounding and defense and just getting to the rim I mean he he can change a game with his athleticism now is he does he shoot it lefty no, he shoots right-handed. He does he shoot? I was say because I'm trying to think if we've had a team it, that had two lefties, kind of, <laughs> <laughs> kind of both. But uh, <laughs> he he will be in or around the rim. I mean, he'll yeah. be in the paint. <laughs> he'll be shooting around there. Yeah, it, it it seems like with the guys that we all see him on the football field, yeah. what you're lacking in maybe straight up height, you're not lacking in shoulder width and strength. And strength. Right. Right. Uh, even Damon Jackson, he's another one. He doesn't play football for us. I wish he would, but he's another big body. Collins a big – Logan Webb, strong. I know he's our quarterback, but he is strong. And, uh, you know, so we got, we got some new things we're going to try with those – that personnel, kind of bang down low, get the ball down low to those guys because they're crafty too. You get them the ball around the rim, they're smart. They got good footwork, and they like to bang. They, we talked about that the first couple of practices. I, we're going to put some things in, and I explained it to them. You could see there. I was like, <laughs> okay, I like that. You know, we're going to send you down low and let you bang. And they're like, okay, I can do that. Very good. Man, I can't wait to get started uh, tomorrow night, 8 o'clock-ish, depending on how the girls' game yes. goes. Uh, the Elk City Elks and the Weatherford Eagles. And then, man, it's a, it's a sprint to, what, the 16th. You got yes. this Friday, home opener next Tuesday with Clinton in town. We go down to Childress for three or four games over the weekend, next weekend, and then back. Let's see, Woodward is Saturday. Somebody's Tuttle. here Friday. Tuttle. Tuttle's Tuttle here Friday. Friday. And then at Wet Woodward on Saturday the 16th, and then a whole bunch of practice time after that. A whole bunch of practice time. Coach Stevens. Well, I, I hated Christmas practice, Christmas break practice because you ate a lot during Christmas break, and, man, the coaches make you run. A lot of times that's <laughs> when the uh, – the trash cans would show up. There are some <laughs> trash cans out there. There are some trash cans. Last, last thing, a couple of weeks ago, you and I got to play golf together. Was that the coldest day you've ever played golf? Yes. Hands so, down, yes. It was cold. I would have given up. It was cold. I would have given up. up. We did not we give up. We played pretty we good. We played too. pretty good. Really? For the really, conditions. Oh, yeah. We played very well. For yes. the Considering the conditions, we played very well. We did. And it was a good day, and it was for a good cause for it our, was, for our baseball, baseball boosters. It was a good time. The only the oh, I would have won. I just would have stayed in the golf cart the whole. By time. far, the worst part <laughs> of that was sitting around watching Kansas uh, beat yes, you. That was that was that's that, what we was got that done. day. Yeah, it was. That was a bad. Day. Coach Stevens, thank you, man. Enjoyed thank you guys. it. Appreciate your time. We'll see you tomorrow night over in Weatherford. Appreciate Coach Sam Stevens' time. Uh, looking forward to seeing the Big Elks this year uh, improve under his a watchful eye. And it's got some guys back, and uh, it ought to be a fun team. Uh, an athletic team out there for the Big Elks. It's uh, probably 
I don't know, one of the two toughest openers you could possibly have in 4A tomorrow night with uh, Weatherford, maybe Douglas would be the other team you wouldn't want to see right oh, off the yeah. bat. But, you know, also maybe a little bit of a measuring stick to where you're at uh, or, you know, where you want to get to uh, when you consider what the Eagles bring back. I'm going to guess, you ask any coach, they if would you want the the state runner-up or a team that went two and 28 last year i think you'd want to play the team that's really really good yeah i think you'd rather have two and 28 right <laughs> off the bat and then maybe here i mean teams no, change and then, i mean you'd yeah. probably rather start with clinton and play weather for tuesday right as opposed to the other way, other way around but i mean and i know weatherford turns everybody they're the favorite they're really good supposed to be really good i expect them to be really good no, but first game of the year who knows what could happen yeah who knows and it's also maybe the, they maybe may, I didn't I didn't want to ask Coach Stevens this, but maybe they pull out the end of Darko scenario. Maybe they. <laughs> I, wasn't gonna, I wasn't dare going there. I wasn't going to dare. He's go not there. going to do that. I wasn't going to dare. <laughs> uh, <good thing. laughs> there's there's a good thing about this year's broadcast versus last year's is not having to figure out a way to fill the time oh. for the poor people oh. on the radio listening to that. Oh man, uh, if that does occur, but uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, tomorrow it'd be it's a tough one but uh, and that's also... actually one i'm i'm looking forward to let me see when that is i have the schedules pulled up here weatherford anadarko yeah when's the first time they play december 19th and it's at anadarko oh before christmas yeah yeah so and the they, they are actually in the tournament of champions during christmas break right after at tulsa up at tulsa yeah yeah but they get uh anadarko there on the 19th i hope they play dale that would be something else that would be that would be because Dale has kind of pushed themselves up there as maybe one of the best teams in the state, regardless of class. They won the tournament champions last year. Yeah, they're in that conversation. Edmond North. Is it screaming day outside the studio door? It's what it's what happens Good when you can't night. when you can't hear. You talk louder. I guess. <laughs> I mean, we got three hosts today of the Skinny Sports. <laughs> we just had to drown the other one out. Got the chair breaker and us two. <laughs> How about uh, let's go through some more scenarios? You want to talk about the football game? Ah, it's your show. Go ahead. What do you want to do? No, seriously. You want to talk about the Dallas game? You well, want to talk about well, the high school game? We, let's start with the high school and go to Dallas because there is a game tonight and it's in 4A. There's a lot of interest here. Wagner versus Blanchard. There's my dark horse. I mean, you keep on calling it. Can number three really be a dark horse? Well, when everyone was saying Wagner and Poto all season long, and there, and then there's. I'm going to go ahead and have to call it an alternative, not a dark horse. <laughs> a dark horse would have been like. Like, Salisaw. Or a Clinton. Or, 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 yeah. I mean, somebody outside the top five all year. Yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm, your, your alternative to Poto was Blanchard. Well, was Blanchard. I thought Blanchard had a shot where they were on the side of the bracket and, and all that stuff. And there they go. They went and beat Poto 26-14. Yeah, had a defensive touchdown. Man, they score. I didn't see how it went. I just looked up the score and go, whoa. They had a defensive touchdown. You know, back when back earlier in the in the district schedule, they beat Tuttle without scoring on offense. They scored twenty points all in the second half, all non offensive touchdowns. Uh they've always seemed to have been a team that uh scared you with special teams with you know, when you'd start watching somebody else out of district two that you might be playing in the playoffs, it, it seemed like Blanchard was scoring a you know, kickoff or punt at times. It's. It doesn't feel like they have much of a chance, because of the way Wagner's been all season long and the guys that they have on their team. But you know who else didn't have a chance last year at this time? If we'd have been talking about it, no, that'd be Cushing. Wagner. Oh, I'm sorry, Wagner. Yeah, Going Wagner had zero Cushing. chance yeah. either. 
So it begs the question, is this the same scenario here? Everyone's picking Wagner. Does Blanchard have a chance? No one's talking about him having a chance. What do you think? I think you willing you, to go there? The quarterback, Cooksey, is a fantastic player. Coach Craig always has him coached up. I, I No, I'm not going to pick Blanchard to beat Wagner. Now, the one guy that has seen him, Says they're far from a dark horse, Blanchard, which I can believe it. I mean, yeah, here, I here's know, the thing. I want to know his. He texted in. I want to know who does he think. I wonder if he's seen Wagner. Here's the thing about I can tell you from Blanchard, watching him play the you know watching that Newcastle game with them, and then also on the basketball floor, they're big. I'm telling you, they're big up front. Then I know you know Shield Knight's going to OU. The junior from Wagner, defensive end guy, kind of tight end receiver. He's obviously a big guy too, but uh, I, know, I know Blanchard's big, big up front. They throw it around. Cooksey has been the quarterback. He's a good quarterback, but it, so is Blanchard's Kale Charbonneau. I think Wagner wins. Are you, are you going to pull the Blanchard trigger? No, but I think Wagner wins in similar fashion the way they won last year by like three. I think it's going to be a low-scoring, tight one. Maybe last team who has the football wins. That would be exciting. I give Blanchard a lot of credit. And I think 4A2 is the best district that was the best district this year. I, I'm starting to believe that. And, hmm. and Interesting. Um, looking at Wagner's results is kind of giving me pause. There's only one district had multiple semifinalists, and that was District 4. Mm-hmm. But both got beat in the semifinals. With Poto and Ada. What's giving you pause about Wagner? Well, I mean, the, um, um, what was it early in the, uh, the 15 14 win over Cushing? And, you know, they, they kind of, they gave up 23 against Katusa. They kind of, all season long, at least by AP standards, was kind of between one and two. I don't know. I, Everything you're saying about Blanchard has given me hope. One twenty nine to fourteen in the playoffs. Yeah, they've they've turned it on the playoffs. They've I mean, they gave Ada no shot. No chance. No. So oh, here you go. Wagner's really good, but it won't be by much. So more on the lines of your thinking. <clears throat> for tonight. Yeah, Blanchard I could see chance. like a twenty seven, twenty four, twenty four, twenty one final. Wagner. Yeah, I could see it being like ten to seven. Oh, really? Fourteen to ten. Yeah, I mean, just if, if Blanchard gets in the twenties, that's a, that's they've only Wagner's allowed more than fourteen once, and it was fifty-four to twenty-three, and you have no idea. We're basically, wrapping up the district that night, you have no idea how that game. You know, did Wagner get up fifty-four to nothing at halftime and just set everybody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think if somebody gets in the 20s, that's a good sign for Blanchard. Like If they both get in, I should say. If somebody gets in, that doesn't really matter. But if, if Blanchard gets in the 20s, I think that's a good sign for them. That they can be right in that game. I just don't know if they'll get there. But that's why they play. Once again, no one last year would have given them any, any chance. No. Wagner, that is, against, nah, against that Cushing team it. that we saw. Yeah. No one would give them a chance. And plus... But Wagner lost to Cushing forty to nothing in the in the regular season. Right. 
no one was giving Wagner a chance. Coach Condit, that that program, they're that kind of the next one. Them and Bixby, they're flying up the, you know, the, that all time chart of state titleists, climbing and climbing up that, trying to trying to climb up to Mount Rushmore to join Clinton, Ada, Jinx, and Carl Albert. What about that one? That's the that's the game, right? The one that everybody wants to watch. The five A game. Yeah. Carl Albert and Dell City. Yeah. I might have to renew my subscription to that other streaming service just to watch that one. One o'clock Saturday afternoon. You know what? No, I won't. I got better plans at one o'clock on Saturday afternoon. But I will be paying attention to it on the Twitter sphere. I wonder if our buddy has a game. Surely he does. I mean, that would be the wrong way to go out, not letting him be up there. Surely somewhere. Hopefully it's Surely that one. Surely he is. He does. Hopefully it's that one. Have he, Has he ever shown you that play, speaking of Carl Albert in the state title game? Yeah, I've seen it. I think so it was me. Bishop McGinnis? Yes. When they kicked the Carl Albert guy, caught the blocked it and caught it and ran it back. Yes, yes, One of the most yes. unbelievable plays of yes. all time. Yeah. All right, tonight the Dallas Cowboys get a chance to beat a team with a winning record. Of course, if they beat them, then Seattle will go down to an even record, so Dallas probably won't get any credit for beating a team with a winning record. But quietly, and, and for good reason quietly, I'm, I'm, Dallas is, what, 8-1 and one against teams with losing records, 0-2 against teams with winning records. Uh, 3A. That's what he's got. Got you. That's a good That'd one. That'd be a good one, That's too. a good one. Lincoln and Heritage. Uh, so the Cowboys, I mean, this could be the first time they beat a team with a winning record with Seattle coming into town. Very, very quietly, you know who's playing great football? That'd be Dak. Dak Prescott. Yeah. Nobody's going to say it out loud. The sh- Some have. The ESPN shows are starting to kind of mention you know him. What el- you know what else they're doing? They're actually giving McCarthy some love with his play calling. I would slow down on that a bit. I but, saw no, it I'm just kidding. this morning, right before I walked in here. So Dak completing 70%, thrown for almost 3,000 yards so far through 11 games. 23 touchdowns, only six interceptions, which, what, three of those came against San Francisco? You know, that's that's the game. Really and truly – is the outlier of Dallas' season. The one outlier is that game. Yes, they they played terrible and lost to Arizona. They played really well and probably you could say should have beaten Philly on the road. The other game that they played against a winning a team with a winning record. But the, that d- demolition of that San Francisco put on them was just totally it, – it's been the out-of-character one, right? Yeah. Yeah, you go, you see games where it just it, nothing works, right? Nothing works. But they played bad. I mean, let's not. I'm not trying to sugarcoat a loss, but they did play really bad. But a lot of, I mean, some of that is it's just every play. I mean, it got to the point for me. I'm watching. Like I expected bad things to happen mm-hmm. every single play on both sides of the football, and that's what happened. They couldn't move it. They couldn't stop it. Nothing worked. Nothing worked, and that was almost an anomaly. But. But San Francisco was a really good team. They still are. I didn't think they're that. I don't think they're that much better. I think they're better than Dallas. I don't think they're that much better than Dallas. I think they're just a night nightmare matchup for Dallas. What they're good at, especially offensively, 
Dallas is is their weakness on defense. Yeah. And then the other way around, what what San Francisco, the spots that they're really good can mess up Dallas's offense. And yeah, I mean, I get it. Dallas has been rolling through a bunch of terrible teams, which they should. Yeah. They should be rolling through them and they are. They're they're playing that role. They're doing it right. Back to McCarthy. I like I saw this uh described his play calling. I might have heard it right here in this room. Whereas him taking over the play calling duties, he's doing this trend, this natural, uh, what am I trying to say? He's not calling playoff games in the middle of the season. Does that make sense? He's kind of building, building towards that because it's a long season. And it made total sense to me with the way I can't describe it word for word exactly how it was said. It was on one of the national shows in here, but it made a lot of sense when I heard it. He, it's not like when Kellen Moore was calling the game, going for the long, you know, thirty yard gains every play. It, it was a, a natural build up, looking what the defense gave you, and then like last week was a perfect example where they ran like a rollout play, and then like five plays later, and I will give credit to Sports Center because they pointed this out. Five plays later, they did that same rollout. He throws it across the field wide mm-hmm. open. Who was that? Who caught it and went in? It. it that, building, that, building this the, off of this, yeah, off of this. Yeah, yeah, and and um, and it helps when CD Lamb has emerged as the best wide receiver in the league right now. Dak's playing very good, taking care of the football. Let's see if he can make some of those better crucial decisions when they matter. Say in playoff games or down the stretch, or with, down the stretch when Philly comes to town, or you know. Here's the deal: their schedule. A win tonight would be humongous. Because that would put them three games ahead of any other wild card team in the loss column. They would be nine and three, drop Seattle to six and six, Minnesota's already six and six, Green Bay five and six, the Rams five and six, the Saints five and six, and Atlanta five and six, because one of those is going to win the division. So a three game lead in the loss column with like five games left in the regular season, you're, you're almost essentially wrap up a playoff spot. Almost. Almost there's the percentages out there like eighty over eighty eight percent right. I mean, it's- but here's the thing about their schedule. It, it's they've gone through a lull here where, you know, maybe some of the teams aren't as good as we thought, and that's not their fault. But starting tonight, you've got six and five Seahawks, the Eagles, obviously the best record in the league, at Bills, at Dolphins, home against Lions. Okay, here's your chance if you're Dak and you're wanting to establish yourself or prove that you do have some sort of MVP aspirations, it's right here. I mean, because we we do live in a world where coming off next Sunday, next Sunday night, hosting the Eagles, there is a world where Dallas could be the leader in the NFC East at that point. Mm. But can they hold it from there? Right. Because at that point, you will have won five in a row and needing to win, end up nine in a row to hold on to that lead. The division's probably over because that's asking a ton to get done, but that does exist to where they can be you right know, there tied, and, and tied at the top. here we are talking about their offense, and, man, that defense. Once again, the outlier. Parsons is awesome as usual. It looks like he will play tonight. I guess he has some kind of stomach thing on Tuesday. And then, you know, Bland. 
Diggs who? Yeah, well, no. I'm sitting here going, what would <laughs> what you if do? What if you had to, Oh, they'd if be. If Deron Bland was your nickel corner? Yeah. Oh, my yeah. goodness gracious. But, man, Deron Bland is oh, absolutely amazing. I mean, setting records. What do you think? Pick six tonight? No. <laughs> Surely not. Surely not again. I do think, I do think Cowboys going to win, though. I do, too. I think it'll be a – I won't say two touchdown. I'll say two score. I mean, they have killed people at home. They are really they good at home. They have killed people at home. And in prime time? 30 to 10, 38 to 3, 43 to 20, 49 to 17, 45 to 10. That's their home wins. Everybody have a great Thursday. You've been listening to the Skinny on Sports podcast with Aaron Cow. Be sure to hit that subscribe button to get alerts of when the latest podcast is available. Thanks for listening.